All right, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Pastor Eli James here, and doing our first live show from the uh, Winston Salem uh, Eurofest, and uh, we're kind of wrapping things up today. Uh, the heat has really uh, kicked our butts and uh, made it difficult to uh, set everything up. But we're back live here on Bloodlines with uh, Michael, my co-host. How are you doing, Michael? I'm doing good, and compared yeah. to you, as I have a heating heat wave, we have our more brain here. So we had the heat wave before, and now you 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 got it. Yes, <laughs> and uh, it's been cool up until the Fourth of July, and so uh, the the heat came just in time to to make life miserable for us. Okay, so anyway, so we're going to uh, you know the last time we got together, we we talked about the uh, you know, chapter seven of Second Esdras and uh, the end times prophecies in that book and uh, today we're going to talk about second Ezra chapters 11 and 12 which essentially are the prophecy of the holy roman empire its demise and the uh, entities that will take over from the demise of the holy roman empire it's uh, absolutely astounding prophecy when it's properly understood but first i'd like to uh, quote from this article here the, uh, the Truth Seeker just put this out, and it's titled, No One Has Died From the Coronavirus. Are you surprised, Michael, that no one has died from coronavirus? Not at all. I no. think they just put it as corona when they have a normal death by maybe a heart attack, maybe something else, maybe yeah. a flu, whatever. Yeah, yeah, and this is what we've been reporting on Eurofolk Radio all along. The, the whole thing is totally fake. It's part of the global takeover by the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, and you know the super-rich elite, and the population control people, of which Bill Gates is not, and his father, the eugenicists, are number one people, including the Rockefellers, the Club of Rome. They want to eliminate uh, 7 billion people. Uh, and leaving only 500 million people, uh, Bill Gates has openly said we have to reduce the population of the planet. How are we going to do it? Well, he doesn't say we're going to kill people. He says we're going to vaccinate them, right? But that's what's going to kill people. So we've been reporting that all along, and every you know, piece of alternative news that we come across verifies our reporting on this, okay? Yeah, and I think Bill Gates exactly said what you said, because he said... If we do a really good works with example vaccinations and all this, so he had this equation, right. and I think CO2, mm-hmm. and then he had population times something. Then he said, then after that, he just said that if we do a really good work with vaccinations. Yeah, right. So, and, yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah, and uh, the vast majority of people on the planet not knowing it any better or being totally ignorant of how the super rich operate around the world are simply obeying orders like sheeple and you know, not, not even asking the question, well, who, by what authority do these people tell us that we should wear face masks and social distance and all that? They, they don't even ask the question, by what authority? Who has? They don't have any legitimate authority to do this, but their authority is money. That's the authority, okay? So, yeah, it's world gods and the god that they worship, this yeah. mammon. And I also read the, that uh, just this social distancing, all this stuff, that is an, an, an war tactic from the CIA that you mm-hmm. did on the uh, prisoner of wars. 
that you put them into like a social distance. They shouldn't have interaction with any other prisoners. So that's why I tried to break them down. Right. And exactly those kind of tactics. Now the CIA is using against the people trying to get your children to have distance from each other and being they will be so sick by it. they if you don't have any social contacts they will be yeah broken down and they are children and they do that to your own to your children. Right. Well, again, and that's the tactic they tried to use on us. Or this is why they don't want us to meet, so we can compare notes. And believe me, uh, by comparing uh, comparing our personal experiences with one another, yeah, we can see uh, our our reporting on this has been right on the money. Uh, North Carolina, the governor. Uh, has issued an order everybody must wear a face mask in public and in you know, and of course the the corporate entities like Walmart are in full cooperation you can't go into a Walmart or a, a Home Depot or any kind of store any kind of store really you have to wear you have to wear a face mask social distance and in public you can't go in public without a face mask, all right? Uh, our redeeming uh, f- uh, factor here is we're on private property, all right? So they have to trespass on private property to enforce that stupid rule, okay? But they are clamping down. Folks, we've been telling you that they're, this is it. They have decided to make this coronavirus their last gasp attempt to take over America and the world, Okay, seem uh, seem logical to you, Michael? That's what's going on. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's exactly. But it's so phony. It's so <laughs> phony. <laughs> right. About a little virus, and, and and as I said, the people are they like kind of is their religion. They they believe it. Yeah, they look, look at the television. So the television is their god. That they think they believe what is said there. So that is also this in Revelation. This uh, the image of the beast. You give me light. Uh, the image of the beast, and they worship the image of the beast. That is for me the television. We have it right now, and and how is our people treated that that doesn't abide to the, the image of the beast, to the television? Well, you get ridiculed, you will be mocked, you will yeah. So, so yes. of course, this is a way trying to enforce tyranny, trying to break people down. That's of course also to this social distancing, all this and this face mask. So you will even further restrict, um, get people more more from each other because now yeah you have the tele the, you have the phone so people are not even connecting with each other they have their phones but now even further by using the face mask we even further increase this uh, this uh, this disconnection between people right right okay uh, just to let people know who are in the chat room uh, on my laptop for some reason uh, it won't accept my uh, username and password but I can see the chat room I can see what the comments or people are making and so I can comment on but I won't be able to type anything in yeah and uh, nimble horse says I doubt Jefferson was a race mixer I agree Thomas Jefferson he may have had an affair with this one black slave that he had that he inherited he was anti-slavery his entire life and the problem was, what do you do with your slaves when you set them free? Okay, Virginia was the state where they had the most freed slaves because the agricultural usage of black slaves in Virginia had pretty much ended because they had worn out the soil so badly that it had turned yellow. They couldn't grow anything anymore. So what did they do with all these slaves? Well, they just turned them loose. You know, like setting a dog loose in your alley, 
and locking the gate. Okay, that's what. So the state of Virginia had more um, mulattoes and freed slaves than any state in the world and in, in the country. Okay, yeah, it was supposed to be a rerun, uh, but uh, we we were able to get online. Uh, and uh, so we decided to do a live show. Okay. All right, folks. So uh, thanks for joining us. And so I'm going to read from this, uh, a couple of paragraphs from this article. No one has died from the coronavirus. Rosemary Fry and Patrick Corbett off Guardian July 2, 2020. A high-profile European pathologist is reporting that he and his colleagues across Europe have not found any evidence of any deaths from the novel coronavirus on that continent, okay? Uh, and I could add the rest of the world. Dr. Stoyan Alexov called the World Health Organization, quote, a criminal medical organization, unquote, for creating worldwide fear and chaos without providing objectively verifiable proof of a pandemic. Now, Michael, since you're in Sweden where you never had a lockdown, and where apparently there was never any social distancing, or was there ever any testing for coronavirus in Sweden? Well, no, no real testing like that, but they now try to offer people testing. They say, oh, you can get tests. Okay. And, so, yeah, we, did, we never have an, an social distancing. We didn't even have this enforced stuff here. But then, then, of course, then you have the, um, as you said, as you also described in, in your case, the, the companies like Walmart, like... Home Depot, same here. You have the companies here as well doing the same. They can also enforce the stuff. Yeah, in this building, we cannot be too many. So we have to also keep distance. So they are doing it in, in this way with the companies instead. But the, but out on the street, that's not really what you are enforced to do. And the police won't bother you if you don't. So it's basically voluntary in Sweden. Yes. Okay. And, uh, and the death rate in Sweden has been pretty much the same as anywhere else in Europe? Yeah, or lower, what I understand. Or lower? Even at all, when you said this, no one has died from it, so I right. doubt anybody has died. So, But still, they probably put it as corona, and then they get a bigger fine, a bit more money if they do, I don't know. Yes. All right, so continuing, uh, just a few more paragraphs here, because this verifies what we've been teaching here at Eurofolk Radio. Another stunning revelation from the Bulgarian Pathology Association president, Dr. Alexov, is that he believes it's currently impossible to create a vaccine against the virus. I agree. He also revealed that European pathologists haven't identified any antibodies <laughs> that are specific for SARS-CoV-2. And that's what we've also been saying, folks. They haven't identified the antigen, and they haven't identified the antibody. That's the only scientific way you can tell if somebody has a particular disease. So, can you believe all this smoke and mirrors is relying on the ignorance of the general public and the cooperation and probably bribery, uh, blackmail, and intimidation of medical personnel around the world? I mean, that's what it would take to uh, pull this off, Michael. Is that, yeah, but it's so... Okay. No, I don't want to say fascinating, but how can you uh, fool a whole uh, the communities of doctors? Apparently not everybody, but many of them are stepping in line. If yes. someone on the top says maybe a, an Edomite or a uh, Freemason says, do you enforce this? And they, they, won't, uh, they won't question it because then they're afraid of losing yeah. their jobs. Amen. 
That's how they're doing it. Threats and intimidation. And, and that's how they're controlling the police, too, with all these riots after the George Floyd uh, uh, death. I don't want to refer to it as a homicide or anything else. It was a death. And it may not even be a death. That whole thing may have been faked. But uh, you know, this is how they control groups. They get their uh, agents, like in Chicago, uh, our mayor... Uh, Lori Lightfoot and our governor Pritzker, they're globalists, they're New World Order operatives 100%, okay? So they get in charge of these organizations, they tell the police what to do, if the police don't fall in line, they, they're fired, they lose their jobs, okay? This is how they control things, that's, you know, a lot of people don't want to believe that's how totally corrupt the entire planetary political situation is, but it is, it's totally corrupt, okay? All right. So, but let me repeat this statement because this is absolutely true. He also revealed that European pathologists haven't identified any antibodies that are specific for SARS COVID 2, which goes back to, I think it was 2003, and they haven't done the same for COVID 19. They haven't identified anything of the kind, okay? These stunning. Go ahead. Yeah. Isn't it very interesting that you have this SARS and then you have COVID 2? It's kind of, for me, it's, um, is this the same as the SARS? They try now with the COVID and then COVID, I don't know, it's to see them that, um, uh, how they use SARS is called too. Yeah. Uh, it's the same. It's the same again. Then we try again, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So then he says, these stunning statements raise major questions, including about officials and scientists' claims regarding the many vaccines they're rushing into clinical trials around the world. Well, the, the faster they rush them in, the less we can object, <laughs> right? They don't want to give us time to object and educate the world as to how they're being scammed, okay? So that's why they're in a big rush to push this vaccine. But uh, let me tell you, Michael, here in America, the people I'm talking to say, no, they're, they're going to they're gonna shoot. They're, they're going to shoot people who try to force vaccinate them. And this is people who are not even you know, identity or white nationalists. They don't want you know, the government coming in telling them what to do. There's going to be a physical backlash, a violent backlash against forced vaccination here in America Okay, that's what's going to happen. All right. Okay, so continuing. They also raised doubt about the veracity of claims of discovery of anti-novel coronavirus antibodies, which are beginning to be used to treat patients. Since they have not identified a particular antibody, they're claiming that they have, but they haven't publicized or published any kind of studies that show, well, what's the antigen, because Antibodies are very specific to particular antigens. That's the only way you can identify whether a person has a particular disease is through the antigen-antibody relationship. That's the only scientific way of establishing the existence of any disease. And they haven't done anything of the kind. It continues. Novel coronavirus-specific antibodies are supposedly the basis for the expensive serology test kits being used in many countries, some of which have been found to be unacceptably inaccurate. All right, are you are you surprised that they're inaccurate, Michael? No, no, it's uh, it's kind of I don't know what kind of if the, if you haven't even have an antibody, how could you do a test of something you don't know what to test for? 
So That's you, right. You're blind. You're blind twofold. Yeah, but the general public. Yeah, yeah. The general public is totally ignorant of these things, and the medical establishment has been bribed or threatened to just play along, right? Fortunately for us, there have been numerous doctors and nurses and healthcare practitioners who have come out and stated the truth that the reports of hospitals overflowing with coronavirus patients, these are false statements. They've showed us videos of hospitals where there's nobody there, no patients, right? People are actually afraid to go to the hospital because they're afraid they might be diagnosed with this uh, fake disease, right? And then the worst thing is the treatment that uh, you can expect. And what's happening to people? They're dying when they get the treatment, okay? So, folks... Just stay in, uh, stay in touch with Eurofolk Radio. Tell everybody you know about us because we're the ones who are giving the absolute best information on this pandemic called coronavirus or COVID-19. It's totally fake. All right. Okay, Michael, let's get into Second Esdras chapter, uh, wait a minute. Uh, 11, I guess. Yeah, 11, and uh, hold on, I've got the wrong, I've got the wrong, I've got chapter 7, that's what we did last week. So, uh, let me uh, get the correct uh, article here, here we go. Alright, so go ahead and start uh, giving us the details, and essentially the reason why we're doing this, folks, is because we've been doing this, Michael and I have been doing this long series on events leading up to the Judgment Day, and... This article here, the three-headed eagle of Second Esdras 11 and 12, it uh, pinpoints the relationship between the Roman Catholic Church, the Holy Roman Empire, and succeeding empires leading right to the Judgment Day itself. Okay, so Second uh, Esdras chapter 11 picks up with uh, the middle portion of the Holy Roman Empire and takes us all the way to the end of the world. So let's. Uh, Let's go, let's get started, Michael. Yes. So, then I saw, I a dream, and behold, there came up from the sea an eagle, which had twelve feathers, feathered wings, and three heads. Okay, so this is, uh, essentially what this is, is the Holy Roman Empire... Which, and the twelve feathered wings are sub-empires or succeeding rulers of the Holy Roman Empire. And the three heads are a later historical development of this empire. Back to you. Yes, and uh, I think that will also get a bit clearer when we're coming further in the, in the, in the scriptures here regarding to the three heads. Right. Um, and I saw, and behold, she spread her wings over all the earth, and all the winds of the air blew on her, and were gathered together. Now this is a, a totally accurate statement, because the Holy Roman Empire became colonial Europe. Okay? So all, you know, Germany... Well, actually, Germany was the last one to get in on colonialism, but Portugal, Spain... Belgium, Holland, uh, Britain, okay, these countries, France, for sure, France, uh, I don't know if I mentioned Portugal, but all of these European nations became colonial empires and ruled the world. 
Okay. Yeah. This, this is a the British, the British Empire built on this. Right. So this is a perfectly accurate statement. Back to you. Yes, and um, as you said, also here, the here, here, here it means the whole Earth. Otherwise, right. you say the known, the known Earth. That uh, the whole that is said in is it in Matthew when they talk about the taxation of the whole of the known known world. So right. then it was just the one that was subjected to it. Yeah, but the colonial Europe, you know, uh, with the French even going into Vietnam, and then America inherited Vietnam from the French, you know, also at the behest of the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers, uh, because the drug empire in Southeast Asia, they could, they were shipping, uh, I forget what drug it was, they put bags of cocaine, I think it was, into the bodies of dead American soldiers and shipped the, shipped the drugs to America in that manner. Okay, see, it's a CIA operation. And so America inherited a lot of this stuff, and uh, America is one of the three last, you know, uh, heads of this empire, of this, uh, this image. Okay, back to you. Yes, then we go to number three. And I beheld, and out of her feathers there grew other um, country feathers, and they became little feathers and small. Okay, so the Holy Roman Empire... Uh, it went through all kinds of changes uh, with little uh, little dukedoms and fiefdoms and little ki- kingdoms, right? Uh, they were squabbling amongst themselves. You know, they never agreed on much of anything. And, for example, Russia and Britain got into fights. Uh, France and Germany got into fights, especially under Napoleon. And so that's what's talking about. They were contrary feathers. Okay, back to you. Yes, uh, number four. But her heads were at rest. The head in the midst was greater than the other, yet rested it with the residue. Yeah, so they were kind of uh, asleep, waiting to be uh, awakened, you know, after all the troubles of the these historical troubles of the Holy Roman Empire that we're going to be discussing here, okay? Yes, number five. Moreover, I beheld, and lo, the eagle flew with her feathers, and... Reign upon earth and over them that dwelt therein. Yes, again, yeah. All right, so the eagle, uh, the whole picture is the picture of an eagle with three heads, but the, it's, it's basically talking about the successive reign of all of these Holy Roman emperors and the, the successors of the three heads and contrary feathers and wings that were always competing with the Holy Roman Empire uh, during its existence, okay? So that's the image that is being presented here. Now, I think this is, I don't think it could be more accurate than to view it in this context, all right? Back to you. Yes, and it's interesting here, we have this number 12 feather wing, so Mm -hmm. in this context, it is more referring to the the different leaders in the Roman Holy Empire is not, nothing to reference to our to the tribes of Israel. Right. Exactly. Good. Yes. So, number five. Moreover, I beheld, and lo, the eagle flew. Oh, I read that. Sorry. Number six. And I saw that all things under heaven were subject unto her, and no one spake against her. No, not one creature upon earth. Oh, and that's very telling for the Holy Roman Empires. 
if you did try to challenge the Holy Roman Empires, they, the kings got uh, excommunicated and the, and the Roman Empire sent their army to, I guess, kill that, right. those uh, kings. But Napoleon was the first one that didn't abide with that. That's right, that's right. And, uh, you know, and then, of course, the uh, Holy Roman Empire fell apart and was uh, subdivided into the lesser, but, but they were, uh, how should I put it, the survivors, the three-headed eagle, the, the three heads of the eagle, became the last three survivors, with the exception of the little kingdom full of trouble. <laughs> we'll get to that one, okay? All right, please continue. Number seven. And I beheld, and lo, the eagle rose upon her talons, and spake to her feathers, saying... Yeah, continue. Like yeah, yeah. They speak with their, their, their leaders, I guess, with other... Uh, the yeah. eagle, they had, yeah. Yeah, so the, three, the, the eagle has three heads and obviously three mouths, uh, but uh, at some point these three heads speak as one body and speak to the rest of the body of the eagle. Back to you. Yes. Number eight. Uh, Watch not not all at once. Sleep everyone in his own place, and watch by course. Okay, so we could say here that throughout the history of the Holy Roman Empire, uh, first the French ruled, then the Germans ruled, and then the British ruled, etc., etc. So we're talking about the European... Um, uh, not not so much colonial. We're not at the colonial stage yet here in this verse, but where the competition between various European nations to be top dog, right, is what it's talking about here. And, of course, they competed with you. France had its day, Austria had its day, Germany had its day, etc., etc. Okay, that's what we're talking about here. Okay. Yeah, we can also hear with the colonial... We can, I can also say that here from the Nordic countries. None of the Nordic countries did have any had any any part in this colonial adventures that other European nations did do. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, the Danes tried to you know defeat other European countries, but that was well before the uh, existence of the Holy Roman Empire. Okay, you're absolutely correct. All right. Yeah. But here, now it comes to this verse, Eli said that the head, you will preserve it. They said in number nine, but let the heads be preserved for the lost. Okay, well, we still have these nations. We still we have Denmark, we have Sweden, we have Austria, Germany, all these Europeans, these initial European nations that formed the Holy Roman Empire. They all still exist. They're all still here. Okay. Yeah, they are. Mm-hmm. Preserve for the lost. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. Just, a qu- just quickly, it just occurred to me, and there, most of them are now part of what's called the European Union. Yeah. So that's okay. the next, I don't know, that's the next, I don't know, call that an, an eagle. Mm hmm. Could be. I don't yeah. know. We'll see. So they had the Roman, if the Roman Holy Empire was representative of one of this, was, yeah. Okay. We'll continue. Uh, maybe one of the head that's a representation of it then. Yeah, 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 I'm sure. Well, I think we ultimately get to the United Nations being uh, 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 symbolic of the three heads because uh, the uh, just to let people know, uh, the identification of the three heads is basically Russia under Stalin, 
Britain under uh, Churchill and America under FDR. Okay? And, but they're all part of the United Nations, right? Okay? All right, back to you. Yeah. Okay, number 10. And I beheld, and lo, the voice went not out of her heads, but from the midst of her body. Yeah, so at, we're at a historical point where the midst of the body was these competing uh, European nation-states. Okay, so that's where the Holy Roman Empire operated from, at uh, one country versus another. Whoever happened to be ruling at the time, uh, they were speaking for the eagle, for the for this image. Okay. Yeah. Uh, number eleven, and I numbered her um, contrary feathers, um, contrary feathers, and behold, there were eight of them. Okay, so uh, we'll have to wait. Uh, uh, the 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 guy who actually did the initial study on this, we'll have to wait for his explanation because I don't recall the details of this. So yeah, please continue. Yeah, so there was someone that were in. Would you say they were in um, opposite of each other, the country? Yeah, well, uh, again, it's telling us that the the European nation states were competing with each other for dominion to be the top dog of the Holy Roman Empire. And the Pope, actually the Pope was the top dog at this point in time because the Pope was the one who crowned the next head of the Holy Roman Empire and whoever the Pope crowned was the official leader of this empire. Okay, yeah, back to you. Um, Yeah, and that was also, as we said before, that Napoleon didn't abide with that. Okay, right. He took the crown by himself. Yes, he did. Okay. Yes, okay, let's continue with number 12. And I looked, and behold, on the right side there arose one feather, and reed over all the earth. Right, okay, so on the right side, okay. Uh, so, the there were eight of them, and uh, maybe this is uh, the beginning of the uh, European Union, or uh, we'll get into the details. So, at this point, because this is a complicated study, here it begins to get complicated, and so maybe we should uh, scroll down to where the uh, the initial author, Dr. Scott, Dr. Eugene Scott, uh, starts talking about it, and so so let's do this in Second Esdras twelve one, where we begin to uh, use Dr. Eugene Scott's analysis of chapter twelve. So, if you wouldn't mind scrolling down to Second Esdras twelve, the interpretation, and we'll go with Dr. Scott's analysis. Okay. So you want to go to Second Esther chapter twelve, yeah, one then. The interpretation, yeah, down at uh, uh, it's a, a second section here. Yeah, now let's see. Maybe I don't have the correct, the, the same article as you have. Now I sit in right. Oh. Okay, I will go into and this text here. Wait. Okay. Uh, and, well, and it came to pass. 12. Yeah. While the lion, uh, the lion represents the Messiah at the judgment day. Do you have that section? Yeah, I ha- oh, sorry, I had it. Sorry, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, right. so, okay. Uh, and it came to pass, while the lion spake these words unto the eagle I saw. So mm-hmm. the lion, yes, that is always the representation of the lion, the lion of Judah. That is, yeah, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Right, 
okay? And we all know that every Christian in the world should understand that the lion is Messiah, right? Okay? Thank you. Okay, yeah, so, uh, and he spoke these words unto the eagle, okay? Now, please continue, because this is a very interesting verse. And, behold, the head that remained, and the four wings appeared no more. And the two went unto it, and set themselves up to reign, and their kingdom was small, and filled of uproar. Okay, so what is the what would be the first uh, image in your mind of a very small kingdom, which is not one of the heads, but is constantly filled with uproar? What country would you think of? Well, not, not, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say any country. I would more say that this is the Edomite. Well, well, is Israel. <laughs> wouldn't, that be, wouldn't that be the country you would think of? Uh, yeah, okay. it's not their country, really. They stole no, it. Well, okay, I see where you're coming from. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> that is the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, uh, uh, yeah, please continue. Yes, and we can also read in, in by the way, Nestrus, where it said in chapter, I think it's in in five, when it said that uh, um, that it said that uh, the the uh, what to say that Esau is the end end time, and Jacob is the is the right. one is for the for the one to come. Right. Okay. Well, let's put it in perspective. the The Israeli state was formed in 1948 at a time when the Middle East was totally peaceful. America did not have a single enemy in the Middle East. In fact, we are on tremendously good terms with the Arab world because our technical people were drilling the oil wells that made the Arabs rich, right? Okay? So America was at total peace with all of these countries. In fact, America, after World War II, was at total peace with the entire world. We didn't have an enemy in the whole world. So what happened when the Israelis created the Zionist state? D didn't they mess that whole thing up? Yes, it's been an, an uproar ever since. Yes. So the, the Israelis and, you know, of course, the Rothschilds and all Jews around the world have been making enemies for us, the, the ugly American, but behind the ugly American is the perfidious Jew. Right? This is what we've been telling people. You have to understand that the Jews are the main enemy. And these are the people we have to deal with. But they have arranged for all of these wars between the European nation states, between the Polish people and the German people, between the British and the German people, the French and the British, the French and the Germans, etc., etc. This kingdom is full of uproar. Never-ending uproar, okay? Who else would qualify for this description? No one else. No one else. Yeah. No, but, no, right. no, no one that are the troublemaker. Yeah. yeah. All right, please continue. Yeah, and the verse I was thinking about, and this maybe also ties in, is in Second Esther chapter 6, number 9, it said, For Esau is the end of the world, and Jacob is the beginning of, the, of, the, of it that follows. <laughs> there you go. Right, and so we're anticipating the day that Jacob finally defeats Esau. Finally. All right, okay, please continue. Yes, number three. And I saw, and behold, they appeared no more, 
and the whole body of the eagle was burned, oh. so that the earth was in great fear. Then awaked I out of the trouble and trance of my mind, and from great fear, and said unto my spirit, Aha, so when this this small kingdom full of uproar mm -hmm. disappeared, then the whole eagle will be burned? Yes, yes. So, and this small kingdom full of uproar is, of course, the Edomite kingdom. It's Esau ruling over Jacob. And they're going to cause the entire earth to burn. How many other Bible passages in what's accepted as the Bible by the Judeo-Christian world, how many passages from the Bible have we read predicting this day of burning? Right? So here it is in the Apocrypha verifying the teachings of the Bible. It's just a different vision by Esdras, who is actually Ezra the prophet. Ezra and Nehemiah, Esdras in the, in the, in the Apocrypha, they just pronounce it differently. Okay? So... So he's seeing, and of all the prophets in the Old Testament, Ezra was one of the, the best prophets, okay? He's the one responsible for the reestablishment of the kingdom of Judah in Palestine after the Babylonian captivity, okay? Well, it's interesting that now we're in Babylonian captivity again. Is that not the case, Michael? Yeah, it's the time of the Babylonian captivity, or it could also be the same as Egypt. Uh, we are, are comfortable slaves, in, like in Egypt, where, where we were the construction builders. How is it today? Who is the mainly the construction builders? Yeah. Okay, so here the white race has built the entire European civilization. Okay. The Jews, after we build, it's like um, the cuckoo bird. The cuckoo bird is a parasitic bird. It waits for another species of bird to lay its eggs in its nest. And then the cuckoo bird comes and lays its egg in the nest of another bird. The cuckoo bird, uh, bird hatches first. And what it does, and it's bigger mo than most bird species. The cuckoo bird hatches first. And then it pushes the eggs of the host species out of the nest. And takes over. And guess what? The host bird raises the cuckoo bird. That's a parasitic bird. Isn't that what the Jews do to our countries? Yeah, they, they, have, um, they are on top in, the, in all the countries, and then they, uh, they will force, um, yeah, they right. take them over. But, the nation. Yeah, yeah, but the, the host species of bird doesn't even realize that this is happening. Yeah, right? It's the same, yeah, parasitical, how it will be, because uh, they, uh, they live out of our, what do you say, our, our work. Our nest. Our, the they stuff take, we are doing. Uh, yeah. Yes. Then, they, uh, after some times, we are not able to lift them up. Then, when we fall, well, they are not long, long after before they fall as well. Right. Well, now, this is, uh, this is how it has to be, because a parasitic species cannot exist without a host. Okay, so either the hosts, and this has happened throughout, throughout European history. Uh, I just re received a document recently where the author states that the Jews have been kicked out of European nation states and city states over 1,000 times. Over 1,000 times, okay? And yet, our people still don't get it. How is it possible that our people don't get it? Because it is not our people that has written the more, most recent history books. 
you know, right. in his story. Right. His history is that, that is written yes. in the modern books. Yeah, yeah. And that's interesting that you should mention that because uh, the facility where we're having this conference is hosted by, oh, I'll just call him Captain Bernie. And he's got a trailer full of history books, including a, a 1911 set of the uh, uh, Encyclopedia Britannica, 1911. And in there, it has a history of the Jews 42 pages long. Right? How many modern encyclopedias have an extensive history of the Jews in, okay? All right? Yeah, absolutely none. So, none. Uh, 42 pages. And in, uh, among those 42 pages is the history of Khazaria. So what the Jews do, they buy up all of these publishing houses. They buy up the Encyclopedia Britannica, and then they issue a new edition and all of these articles on the Jews are removed from these new editions. That's how they keep us ignorant. Besides you know, their control of television, publishing in other areas, Hollywood, radio, everything. This is how the cuckoo bird <laughs> controls the, the nests of the other birds. And this is how the Jews control us. Back to you. Yeah, exactly. They, and they are, this, that's why it's a prophetic bite. I don't know. Yeah, Watch Or yeah. Orwell that said in 1984 this memory hole. Yes. Now, uh, now here I think uh, Dr. Uh, Scott and James Trim, who are the other two biblical analysts, you know, because the vast majority of Judeo Christians do not even bother with the Apocrypha. They're, they're, they think the Apocrypha are a waste of time. But we see that these prophecies are very important for our people to understand. Because this is a prophecy of European history that you know was well in the future. And wow, the accuracy of these prophecies is amazing. So, but what I was getting ready to say is both Dr. Scott and James Trim do not associate this kingdom full of uproar with Israel. You want, you want to take a guess who they associated with? Who they associated is, uh, yeah, I guess they try to, to, I don't, yeah. No, the, I don't have any. Th yeah, okay. Germany. Not, you're, you're very, very close. The Nazis. The evil Nazis. But the, the Germany didn't control the, you know, all these other empires. There's no way. Okay. But that's because they believed the Jews were God's chosen and they, their minds couldn't even go there. All right. Okay, back to you. Yeah, and I yeah, and also we see also as you said in this apocrypha, it is interesting when you read the, for example, also in the first book of of Esdras, uh, in Esdras, where you see the traces of who did burn down the temple and who did um, take over Jerusalem while we were while our people were gone. Right. It was the Edomite. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. Uh, uh, oh, people in the chat room are saying they thought it was a rerun. Well, we decided to go live because we got the internet working. So, so uh, it's good that we have a bunch of people in the uh, in the chat room here. All right, so uh, we're, we're living in an era in which the deceit, the level of deceit, including the coronavirus, is at a, a worldwide scale. Okay, mm -hmm. and the Holy Roman Empire was not an empire of deceit. It was an empire of colonialism where say we're go we're coming in we're taking over your country and whether you like it or not okay it was military 
just like all the kingdoms in the Old Testament were military, they didn't try to fool people. You know, even the Romans, when they took over Judea, said, okay, we're taking over, uh, we're going to tax you, and we're going to set our, you know, uh, rulers over you. They're going to work for us. They're going to collect the taxes from you for us. And whether you like it or not, there wasn't any deceit involved, right? No, okay. but today it's only deceit. It's all deceit. Yeah, back to you. Okay, let's continue with number four then. Lo, this has thou done unto me, in that thou searchest out the ways of the highest. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, Esdras, or Ezra, was a prophet of Yahweh, and he was always trying to search out the intentions, the, the mind of Yahweh. And there's only one way you can do that, and that is to be uh, you know, operating under his laws, to be righteous. If you're not righteous, you'll never figure these things out. Okay, back to you. Yes, it is the, it is the laws you need to abide to, because that will, yeah, that will also, I guess, make it easier for him to communicate with us. Otherwise, he's not no, no able to communicate with us. The, the radio antenna won't be, it will be blurry. Right, right. Yeah, the Judeos get a very blurry reception <laughs> compared to us. Yeah, yeah. We get a clear signal. Yeah, right. That receiver called your brain, right? If, if you're tuned to the wrong station or you can't get a clear signal, you'll never know what's going on. All right, back to you. Yes, number five. Lo, yet am I weary in my mind and very weak in my spirit, and little strength is there in me. For the great fear wherewith I was afflicted this night. Right. So this, I guess, is Estra speaking after he gets those visions. Right. Yeah, because these visions terrified him. All right. I mean, if you had a vision of the world burning just before the judgment, that would be pretty scary. Right? Okay. But uh, aren't we at the precipice of, of that happening right now? Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. That is, we are the precipice. Just look at right. the in the state our people are, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, uh, please continue. Number six. Therefore will I now beseech the highest that he will comfort me unto the end. Yes, this is our hope. Mm -hmm. This is the hope that we will be comforted. Yes, we will be comforted. Okay. And number seven. And I said, Lord, that. Uh, bearest rule, if I have found grace before thy sight, and if I am justified with thee before many others, and if my prayer indeed become up before thy face. Uh, this is Esther speaking. Yes. Uh, speaking uh, from after, the, after his vision here. And then this is what he's saying. Uh, comfort me then, and shew me thy servant. The interpretation and plain difference of this fearful vision that thou mayest perfectly comfort my soul. So, yeah, right. as you said, Eli, now he is, he is yeah, terrified. Now he wants some comfort in the soul because he has been terrified. just terrified what we have seen. Yeah. What will happen? Tell me. Yeah, and, and he says here, if I am justified with thee before many others, which means, you know, for example, at this conference and many other conferences that I have attended, there are white nationalists. There are neo-Nazis, right? There are pagans, there are Satru, and all these kind They're still of our race, okay? What we're trying to do is explain to them what the Bible is really about, that it's a book about our race. 
the Jews have confiscated uh, and claimed that it's about them, you know, they're impersonating us, and they have fooled all these white nationalist groups into believing the Bible is a Jewish book. And so I think what Esdras is talking about here is, is our attempt to explain that, uh, you know, I am justified with thee before many others. They are the many others. Okay? We're trying to reach out to them to explain to them who they are and why they're here. Okay? And what's getting ready to happen. All right? Back to you. Yeah, and also he said this, and if my prayer indeed become up before thy face, well, then you have to be righteous if they should come up to him. Right. To have your radio receiver, your radio, your, your comm radio to work. Yeah, and so we can't have any hatred for them. They've been brainwashed just like the Judeo-Christians. All right? And like the liberals, they've all been brainwashed. So we have to rise above the petty infighting that they have amongst themselves and explain to hey, we're all brothers. We're all, we all show blood in the face. That's what the word Adam means. And once you accept that as a reality and that the white race, especially the Caucasian people, are the Israel of God, once they accept that interpretation, then they can begin to see the truth. Right? Isn't that what we're trying to do here? Yeah, exactly. That is to find the, we don't want to divide people. We just want them to, yeah, they have been fooled. Right, right. So the, uh, the days of division must end. We must bring these various white race groups together. Because, in fact, that was, we had a conversation about that. Uh, I think the guy said he was a Satru. And, uh, you know, I tried to explain it. We need to end the um, infighting between these various different white groups. And you have white um, nationalists of various persuasions. They're all infighting amongst themselves. If we can get them to start working together and come to conferences like this, that uh, we can have a, a unification movement, and then we can start talking a strategy against the Jews. Okay? Strategy, and we've been discussing that, how we can sabotage the Jewish world empire at the local level. And if we can get Swedish white nationalists, American white nationalists, Australian white nationalists, and of course, in cooperation with Christian identity, to perform these acts of sabotage, we can, we can start making their empire crumble. All right? I can't discuss that on the air. <laughs> right? But we have very specific things that we're planning on doing, which, and they will, in the, in the darkest of the night, we can perform acts of sabotage which are not violent, which won't hurt anybody, but which will bring their kingdom down. Okay, this is the this is the, this is the reason why they don't want us conferring with one another, because we need to st we have to say these things in private, in person, and and you can't do that with coronavirus, right? And the lockdown, can't do that. Okay. No, they want to sit by Skype. Right, <laughs> right, there you go. <laughs> Excellent. All right, back to you. Yeah, okay, then we come into number nine. For thou has judged me worthy to shew me the last times. Yes, he's worthy to see this yeah. last time, to see this vision. Yes, now Ezra's actually represents us, Christian identity. We're the ones who see what's happening in these last times. Nobody else does. Everybody else is blind. Back to you. Yeah, and he said unto me, This is the interpretation of the vision. 
the eagle whom thou sawest come up from the sea is the kingdom which was seen in the vision by thy brother Daniel. Alright, so in other words, Ezra is completing the vision of Daniel. So Daniel, he talked about the four beasts, uh, beginning with Babylon, was the head of gold. Um, the Medes and Persians were the uh, arms and, and uh, uh, chest of uh, uh, silver. Then um, the, uh, the Medes and Persians, uh, let's see, let me get the order right here. Uh, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, okay, Greece was the belly and thighs, and then the Roman Empire was the legs, the two legs that split up into the Eastern Empire and the Western Empire of Rome, which this vision continues that vision from Daniel. That's what he's telling us, okay? And so for, yeah. those, for those who have never heard this before, uh, it, it continues with the ten horns of the Holy Roman Empire, and uh, uh, these are the following nations, the Franks, the Huns, the Vandals, the Visigoths, the Ostrogoths, the Alans and Swaves, taken as one nation, uh, who went across the Danube River, uh, eventually landing in Great Britain, or the Anglo-Saxons, right? Seven, the Burgundians, Odeaster's Italian kingdom of several tribes, the Saxons, and the Lombards. Okay, so these are the ten horns of the Holy Roman Empire. Okay, these became the European nation states. Okay, that's what this is all about. Israel, the Israelite, yeah, the Israelite nation states. Okay. See how prophetic this, those prophecies are to know exactly how many there are, and then you can identify them with in your with historical knowledge i find right. that so fascinating yes okay all right please continue yes number 12 12 then. but it was not expounded unto him therefore now i declare it in, unto thee yeah well daniel didn't he didn't got this this information so now uh, Estrus will get it further. Yes, so this is a continuation of daniel's vision that's what we're being told here back to you yes Behold, the days will come that there shall rise up a kingdom upon earth, and it shall be feared above all the kingdoms that were before it. Mm -hmm. And here we have the Holy Roman Empire. That's yes. correct. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. So here yes. we also have this. Um, we have this uh, um, days. Okay. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Number fourteen. In the same shall twelve kings reign. One after another, and this is the the one you just mentioned, the twelve right. the in horns. In chapter, no, that's the ten horns. The twelve, uh, uh, okay. the, the twelve feathers in chapter eleven, is uh, ah, okay. okay. That's what he's referring back to chapter eleven here. Okay, okay. all right, back to you. Uh, whereof the second shall begin to reign, and shall have more time than any of the twelve. Okay. All right. So this is talking about the the twelve kings of the Holy, uh, the latter half of the Holy Roman Empire, which I would call the Germanic, the Germanic reign over the Holy Ro the Kingdom of Austria, and the Kingdom of Germany. So we're talking about Austrian emperors here, because the German emperors came later. 
okay kaiser wilhelm ii and kaiser wilhelm i they came later so the austrian empire basically ruled over the holy roman empire for a very long time and that's what this is talking about the first two uh austrian emperors okay and I'll, i'm not sure if this article names them but i think i believe it does later on down so but let's continue with this because this is a really very interesting prophecy back to you yes and this do the twelve wings signify which Zeus solace. Okay. Yes. Number 17. As for the voice which thou heardest speak, and that thou sawest not to go out from the heads, but from the midst of the body thereof, this is the interpretation. Yes, okay, so he's, so he's getting the interpretation from the angel here, but of course we still have to analyze it, all right? <laughs> okay, yeah, verse... And this yeah. midst of the body, this that you, uh, you discussed earlier, was that this is the, the different, what do you say, the different uh, cardinal, uh, the nation state in Europe that wants to be on the top. Right, exactly. Okay. Yes, number 18. That after the time of the kingdom there shall arise great strivings, and it shall stand in peril of failing. Nevertheless, it shall not then fall, but shall be restored again to his beginning. Okay, so I would think that this is during the period of European colonialization, where you know all these nations, you know, Spain, Portugal, um, you know Holland, France, Britain. Not Germany yet. Germany was the, one of the last nations to ind indulge in colonialization. Okay, but these kingdoms are competing with each other in their colonial reigns, in their colonial endeavors, for lack of a better term. Okay, and so, so, but it's in danger of falling at this time. He says, but it shall be restored in the, in the, in the future. Okay, and so please continue. Yeah, and here's this, this eight small. So, and where's the source? The eight small under feathers sticking to our wings. This is the interpretation. That uh, in him there shall arise eight kings, whose time shall be but small, and their years swift. Yes, okay, so we have smaller nations. I think it's referring to countries like Yugoslavia and even Poland, even Poland, even though Poland was a huge nation, Poland never really had control of its own country. For uh, Barbara is one of the speakers here. The Kingdom of Poland was ruled, and still is ruled today, for a thousand years by the Jews from behind the scenes, okay? But every one of these kingdoms had a little bit of a heyday in modern times, okay? That's what this is talking about. All right, back to you. Yeah, we can also, when you're mentioning um, Poland, it is that uh, one of the, the Polish monarch in the beginning was made up of Swedish, of uh, a Swedish, uh, what do you say, the, the one on the throne was Swedish. Yes, yes. Sigismund was his name that did uh, control uh, Poland and also include he was the what say was also ruling over Lit Lithuania so right. Sweden's Gustav Vasa uh, he was the one his uh, say brother um, did leave to to Poland and settle on that throne and why did he leave Sweden he le left Sweden because of the what do you say uh, 
Sigismund wants to have the Catholic Church here. Well, Gustav Vasa didn't like that, so they yes. uh, he kicked them out. Right, right. Okay, so in part two of this article that we're reading from, we have the interpretation by Dr. Scott with my comments. And so maybe at this point to give clarity to the listeners, what exactly, uh, what, what European history with exactitude that we are talking about, uh, let's drop down and we'll pick this up um, next week and we'll try to con- continue this vision. But we've talked about a lot of European history with uh, you know, sort of vague uh, identifications. Let's now identify the kingdoms that uh, Ezra is talking about here. So if, if you would scroll down to the interpretation as per Dr. Eugene Scott, okay, and these are the kings that he is taught, that Ezra is talking about. Okay, um, so... No, let's see, where, what verse do you want me to go to? Well, no, it's not the verse, it's the interpretation by Dr. Scott. It's in, okay. at the, toward the, it's about the, uh, at the end of the first third of the article we're reading from. Yeah, but I don't have the article. Oh, you, oh, you don't? Oh, okay. Uh, okay. I can't put it in the chat room because I can't access it. But it's, it's in your, um, it's in your Skype. You have to scroll up a little bit. Okay, you're reading from direct, I see, you're reading directly from Second Ezra's. Uh, either online or from eSword? Is that what you're doing? I do from eSword. Yeah, yeah. Okay, if you can scroll up in your Skype, because I shared that article with you, it's uh, you know it's up in there somewhere, okay? So it's a three-headed eagle from uh, Anglo-Saxon Israel? Uh-huh, right. that, okay, no, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. And I'll, while you're searching for that, I'll begin, I'll just read off the list. So, Dr. Scott says these are the actual names of the kings that we're talking about, okay? Yeah, the Roman Empire. Right. Okay, you got it? So uh, I'll just, I'll read the list here, and then you can pick it up, uh, you know, uh, pre-Napoleon and post-Napoleon. Pre-Napoleon, Francis, who uh, reigned in 60, began to rule in 1637, and Leopold I began to rule in 1658. So Francis had a rule of what, uh, uh, from 37 to 58, is 21 years. And then Leopold was taken over by Joseph I in 1705. So that was the reign of nearly 55 years. So the prophecy stated that the second king would have a very, very long rule longer than any of the rest, okay? So that's that was fulfilled by Leopold I, okay? Then Joseph I began to rule in 1705, but, not, uh, but only until 1711, so that he only reigned for about six years. Then Charles VI, he ruled from uh, 1711 to 1742, that's 31 years. And Charles VII reigned from 42 to 45, only three years. Then Francis I from 1745 to 1765, only 20 years. Then Joseph II ruled from 1765 to 1790, that's 35, no, no, 25 years. Leopold II ruled from 1790 to 1792, only two years, all right? And then Francis II from 1792 until Napoleon. 
Okay? So uh, the prophecy stated that the second king would rule the longest of all of these, of all of these kings. Okay? So why don't you pick it up from post-Napoleon if you're there, Michael? Yes. So okay. post-Napoleon, we have William I from 1871. And then he was succeeded by uh, Frederick III. That was 1888. So that is then uh, uh, 15 years. Yeah. Yeah, oh, 17 years, 1871 to 1888. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. And then now, very importantly, number 12. Yeah, that is William II. That's Kaiser William. Yes. From 1880 until 1918. Okay, and that's when the holy, uh, the so this succession of kings, which can no longer, from, uh, from William the first in 1871 it can no longer be considered the holy roman empire because napoleon put an end to that okay so this is the second reich with william the first frederick the third and wilhelm the second this is the second reich okay sorry i have to kill this phone call uh, this was the Second Reich. Most people don't know what the Second Reich is because Hitler called Germany under himself actually uh, after Kaiser Wilhelm who abdicated in 1918. This Third Reich is the one that Hitler had. Okay, Now maybe this is why Dr. Eugene Scott assumed that the kingdom full of trouble was Nazi Germany. But Nazi Germany didn't cause the trouble. They were simply trying to regain the land they had lost after that ridiculous uh, Versailles Treaty. Okay, that's all Hitler was trying to do, was to undo the ve uh, very evil uh, terms of the Versailles Treaty against Germany. That's all he was trying to do. Okay, all right, so let's continue. So that was the Second Reich. Most people don't even know. In fact, I had to do this. What was the Second Reich? I didn't even know what the Second Reich was. That we just identified as these three German kings, these three German emperors. Okay. All right. Please continue with verse 17. Uh, yes. Um, as for the voice which heard speak, and that you saw not to go out from the heads, but from the midst of the body thereof. This is an interpretation. And... Uh, and in the midst of, of the time of that kingdom, there shall arise great uh, strivings, and it shall stand in peril of f failing. Nevertheless, it shall not then fall, but shall be restored again to his beginning. Okay, so in other words, uh, the only thing I can see that restores the unity of Europe after all these strivings, and here we're, you know, we're talking about France and Napoleon fighting against Germany, Austria, and Britain. Okay, these are the great strivings that are being talked about here. and But Napoleon sort of unified Europe under his reign, okay, with the exception of Britain. He, he tried to conquer Russia, and he made a treaty with Russia because the, the king of Russia, the czars of Russia, are blood relatives of the kings of England and the kings of Europe, the, of Germanic Europe. And the Danes, these, these people are all re related to each other by blood, all of them being descendants of King David. Okay? So we have the King of Britain 
the Emperor of Germany and the Emperor of Russia all being cousins to one another, yet their empires are striving against each other. Okay? Why are they just striving against each other? Because the Edomites are behind the scenes, pulling the strings, arranging wars between these European nation-states. Would that be fair to say, Michael? Yeah, that's the, that's the history of our people, of course. And then also we have the, what do you say, the brothers fight with brothers, don't they? That's right. That's right. So we won't bother with this list of uh, kings and their reigns that's given precisely by... Um, by Dr. Scott, because we know this, you know, we, we know this history probably better than Dr. Scott. <laughs> All right. So, so why don't you scroll down to the, uh, actually, let me do this. And then you can pick up uh, from the post-Napoleon Kaisers were not crowned by any Pope. And I'll just read the two uh, comments here. The first nine of these Holy Roman Empire monarchs were crowned by the Pope. Note that Leopold I ruled much longer than any of the pre-Napoleonic monarchs fulfilling this period of strife leading up to Napoleon. And so, uh, the verse, uh, let me quote 2 Esdras 11, 20-21 here, which is in the previous chapter. Then I beheld, and lo, in process of time, the feathers that followed stood upon on the right side, that they might rule also. And some of them ruled, but within a while they appeared no more, for some of them were set up, but ruled not. So some of them had very short reigns where they really, in fact, Frederick III only ruled for three months, <laughs> according, according to Dr. Scott, right? Uh, I think that's an error. I think we determined it was three years, which is a very, very short time, okay? So uh, back to you. The post-Napoleon Kaisers were not crowned by Europe, Okay, and we'll post all of this information in next week's show when I'll be back home where I have full use of my computer and the chat room. Okay, all right, back to you. Yes, so Dr. Dr. Eugene Scott, medieval history shows a struggle to keep the empire alive. In the 5th century, the emperor abdicated and the rulers at Constantinople became the ruler of the whole empire from the eastern and eastern oh. end. Okay. And the eastern end of it is the eastern, what do you say, the eastern Roman Empire, is that is then the Byzantine Empire? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And that he's absolutely correct because at this point in time, the, the pagan Roman Empire was uh, out of power, but it was succeeded by the papacy, and so this, this was the transition period. So during this transition period of Rome, uh, Constantinople or the Byzantine Empire, he says here, actually had control, had charge of Europe. So that would be correct. I forgot about that. Back to you. Yeah, and also when I read uh, Constantinople, I read much about my, my, my ancestors. They did. They did venture to Constantinople many times, the Vikings, and they were in Constantinople. That also, I guess bit some prudence that they know they came from there and they probably have their relatives there. So right. They don't have the record yeah. that they did plunder in Constantinople. I think they got more, yeah, the, what, I, what I have got to anyway. Well, uh, and this is what motivated the Crusaders because the, I think the racial memory and historical memory of the Israelites of Europe was that they came from uh, Armenia and from Azerbaijan, Acer, right? 
So the, the Danes had memory of this, and historical memory of this, and probably genetic memory of all of this history. And that's what made, motivated the Crusaders to go back and take control of Jerusalem, because that's where we came from. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Our memory is there from, from, yeah. uh, from the Black Sea. That's right where we were after the uh, what to say after the captivity yeah. by, the, by the Assyrians and the black the Caucasus mountains were between the Black Sea and I think what the Aral Sea of Aral I forget what the other uh, sea is, is there you know Sea of Azov I forget which one it is but wherever the Caucasus mountains uh, they're between two bodies of water and that's the origin of the Caucasian Israelites okay so we have memory of that you know this is very early in our history they the Danes would have wanted to go back there and say hey this is where we came from you know hey, let's investigate they're tourists right they're tourists going back to this area to rediscover their history oh great back to you yeah. Yeah. did you mean that the Caspian Sea Yes, the Caspian Sea, thank you. Yeah, okay. Uh, the struggle that tore Europe apart set the stage for Charlemagne and that attempt to preserve the Roman Empire in medieval Europe via the phenomenon, uh, phenomenon of Holy Roman Empire. Phenomenon. Where the Pope, yeah, yeah, phenomenon. Uh, <laughs> that's a, that's phenom a tongue twister. Phenomenon. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, of the Ro Holy Roman Empire, where the Pope crowned the king, and as you know, Napoleon stole the Pope, uh, put him in prison. Right. Or, stole the Pope, I guess yeah. he stole the crown and put it on the, the head. Crown, yeah, that, that, yeah, he didn't steal the Pope, he, he put him in prison. Oh. <laughs> That's a strange wording that Dr. Yeah. Scott uses. All right, back to you. Um, and Napoleon crowned himself because there was no one to crown him but him. No, well, yeah. Yeah, well, he, he refused to be crowned by the Pope. That, that's the correct way of putting it. You know, uh, this, uh, and, okay, and what this is, this is a transcript of a speech that he gave, right? So uh, he's using kind of colorful, flowery language. He's not being really precise, but he's giving an off-the-cuff lecture to a large audience here, which was videotaped, and I've seen the videotape. It was an outstanding lecture. Uh, but, you know, so the language he uses is not really precise. It's basically speaking off the cuff. And he, I wouldn't use this kind of language, but, you know, he's basically correct in the things he says. Back to you. Okay. So, this is not accurate. Pope Pius VII was set to crown Napoleon at the formal ceremony in Paris. But Napoleon would not oblige. Ob 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 um, from my article, The Eight Beasts of the Apocalypse, to demonstrate Rome's power over all of Europe, the reigned popes had crowned the kings and queens of the European monarchs for centuries. Um, it was understood by the Catholic monarch of Europe, ruled by the authority of the papacy. The crowning of the new emperor was an established rite, uh, which was begun by Pope Leo III when he crowned Charlemagne in the year 800. And Napoleon, a thousand years later, was expected to adhere to this tradition. The site was the uh, Cathedral of Notre Dame. As Pope Pius VII was preparing to crown him, Napoleon grabbed the crown from the Pope's hands and crowned himself, thus signifying that he, and not the papacy, was the true power. Okay. It's interesting that yeah. the Cathedral of Notre Dame, this was the place where this happened, and now Notre Dame has burned 
down. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the, the Holy Roman Empire essentially ended w with Napoleon, okay? So, uh, I don't know the, uh, the exact year. I believe it was 1805, but uh, Dr. Scott is absolutely correct. The uh, Byzantine Empire had a temporary rule. I don't know how thorough the rule was, but they, I think Charlemagne uh, established Constantinople. I'm not, I mean Constantine established Constantinople, and with the collapse of the Western Empire, Constantinople had become the temporary seat of both the Eastern and Western Empires, okay, until the papacy began to ex exert its power with uh, Leo, Leo the Great, and that was somewhere around, I don't know, 300 AD, 350 AD, something like that. So there was striving between Western Rome and Eastern Rome until Charlemagne uh, assumed power under the Pope, and then he, he basically grabbed Europe back for, for Rome, and, uh, and then Constantinople was on its own, the Eastern, and they have their own version of Christianity, you know, the whole ball of wax. The Eastern Empire and the, uh, and the Western Empire severed ties from that moment forward. Okay, back to you. Yeah, and I don't know if that has something to do with that, that, that why Notre Dame is no more because of this historical fact. Yeah, well, that's very symbolic. You know, well, a new force has taken over Europe. I mean, we haven't even talked about how Islam fits into all of this, all right? But one thing is for sure, Islam is nothing but another arm of Zionism. A wasp just landed on my keyboard. <laughs> So I'm, I can't. Oh, I, I can use my my mouse to scroll down, but there's a wasp on my letter B right now. <laughs> okay, uh, so please pick up with Dr. Scott. Yeah, Dr. Scott. Napoleon had to put his own wrinkle on it, but as Charlemagne formed the Holy Roman Empire, um, ultimately it breaks and separates from Rome because the last three of these self-styled emperors never ruled. They were not crowned by Rome, the Pope. He refused to crown them. So of the twelve, the last three never ruled. Well, they never rule over the Holy Roman Empire. That's the Second Reich. That's what we're talking about. That's the second. Those last three German emperors were not part of the Holy Roman Empire because Napoleon ended it. But there's still the Second Reich. I mean, the Germanic rule over Europe was never given up until World War One. Okay? Back to you. Yes. Since Napoleon overthrew the six beasts, Rome, Rome no longer existed as a kingdom, but further rules the post-Napoleon Kaisers of the Second Reich uh, will rule in the name of Rome. The next three emperors rule in the name of Caesar. Kaiser equals Caesar. That's right. People, people don't know that. That the word Kaiser, Kaiser Wilhelm, that means Caesar. What does Tsar mean? Yeah, also the same. Caesar. Kaiser. Kaiser, yeah. It means Caesar, yeah. So all of these European monarchs uh, assumed the role of Caesar. That, that's really what's yeah. going on here. Well, of course, you know, uh, it's not pagan uh, Rome anymore. It's not a pagan empire. It's now in, it's Christian in name only. It's Catholic, right? So these Catholic monarchs 
they, they ruled with an iron fist if they could, and uh, they were basically ruling over a Catholic empire, which was just as brutal as any other pagan empire that existed before it. Right? Yeah, and Eli, how would you view Kaiser William? Were they uh, Protestants or were they Catholic? Well, this is a good question because Protestantism was starting to take over, you know, with uh, you know, with Martin Luther, okay, and this caused a lot of strife for the Holy Roman Empire too, and a lot of these kingdoms, uh, these uh, underfeathers, like the eight kingdoms we were talking about earlier, they were struggling to maintain Catholic rule in their kingdoms. Germany was the really first kingdom that became Protestant. Okay, and so these last three emperors, they were ruling over a striving, a, a strife-filled Protestant versus Catholic uh, empire. Okay, so uh, that's what was going on for these last three Kaisers, these last three Caesars. Okay, but then all that came crashing down in the year 1918 with the end of World War One. Okay, all right. Uh, that's uh, I think that's the best description I can give to that. Okay. Mm. Yeah, because uh, yeah, as you said, uh, Protestants. Uh, I will again test to Sweden because Sweden was also a Protestant uh, kingdom that did help Germany with the Protest with the Catholic and fought with them yeah. and fought no. with the Germans. All right, was Sweden and or Denmark ever Catholic? No, never. No, they were. Yeah, they were from the early thousand until. Uh, Gustav Vasa threw them out because he, he didn't want them here, so he, he threw them out. But he had to, uh, he used the German, what do you say, German mercenaries from Liebeck, I think, so he had to pay them. So what did he do? He had to have money. So where were the money? They were in the church bell that he sold. So right. it wasn't so popular. Maybe, but... <laughs> church bells, wow, interesting. Okay, so Sweden was very, for how long did that, so Sweden was part of the Holy Roman Empire for a short time, is what you're saying? Yeah, the Catholic. Uh, the yeah, Catholic, the Catholic. But, uh, never, but it was never. What to say? It was never um, unified during, right. during by one king. Not really. We yeah. were more under the what to say the Dan, Danish, uh, uh, the Dan, Danes ruled over yeah. us for some time. So yeah, so the Danes were basically pagan, and so so we're talking about uh, the Holy Roman Emperor briefly tried to rule uh, over them with Catholicism, but that didn't last very long, and then it became Protestant. That's what you're saying, right? Yeah, they did. Yeah, okay. because they they realized that uh, they don't want to have a stinking pope coming down in Rome. <laughs> That's Rome. right. Yeah, very good. All right, so we have about six minutes left. I think we can get a couple more uh, items uh, clarified of you know the uh, the early and mid mid years of the Holy Roman Empire and its uh, eventual demise. Uh, so please continue here. Yes. Dr. Scott, you will find during these struggles in Europe the beginning of the secret societies of power behind the throne that continue to rule clear to the present day through fronts that they control with both mystical and economic power. Well said. That's really well said. But he he doesn't mention that little kingdom that's full of trouble, right? He doesn't mention them, right? All right, okay, back to you. Points out out here, mystical and economic power. Right, mystical being, yeah, secret societies. How many, how many Catholic, I mean, how many Christian preachers ever talk about secret societies? 
Never. They, 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 are, they are in bed with them because they, they are in the secret There society. you go. There you go. Back to you. Yeah, Michelle said that this was also something that the, the Swedish monarch did know, that the Jesuit was always behind to try to overthrow Sweden after they threw out the Catholics. So they know that the Jesuit with the force of Denmark and other other nations tried to overthrow Sweden because of that they didn't so they know they were written about in in my in older history history historical books they know it was the Jesuits. yes all right i think we have time for maybe a couple more quotes so please continue yeah, yeah. Uh, quoting from Hay- uh, Hay- hayden's dictionary of dates 1910 it will be noticed from the list that the second Leopold I actually did reign 17 years longer than the next longest, William II. Yes. Moreover, as none of the last three were crowned by the people, the requirements of the uh, prophecy were met exactly because right. he had to reign twice as much as anybody else. Yeah. And if you take the three not crowned, the prophecy is exact fulfilled. Yes. Right. Yes. Very good. Very good. So, and Nimblehorse shared a photograph of Adolf Hitler smiling, saying, "I got the Third Reich." (laughs) Right. And he did. But he's not. um, I don't think he is included in this vision. Maybe we. But we'll take up that question next time. I believe. Okay. Because he's obviously wrong that the kingdom full of trouble is not Germany. Germany was trying to avoid the trouble created for Germany by the Jews after the abdication of Wilhelm II. Wouldn't that be fair to say, Michael? Yeah, because I don't know when, when Charles, when Dr. Scott did live, when he was living, so I don't know if he did have the full pictures. No, and because he was essentially a Judeo-Christian, you know, and believed the Jews were God's chosen, he would not look for the Jews as being that little kingdom full of trouble. Okay, but Germany was a huge kingdom. I mean, it it vied against Britain, France, Russia. You know, that's a huge kingdom. You can, there's no way you could call Germany a little kingdom. No way. No, exactly. It was never never small. Yeah. It was huge. Yeah, absolutely huge. All right, please continue. Um, it is more correct to say nearly twice as long as Charles the, the sixth reigned 29 years and Joseph the second reigned 25 years. Yeah, so again, he's, uh, he's giving an off-the-cuff lecture, and it's nearly twice as long, but not totally twice as long. Okay, back to you. Yeah, with the loss of the 12 feathers, when they had been gone, which occurred with the defeat of the Kaiser and the abdication at the end of... Uh, war, World War One. Two things will take place. Eight small states, um, country feathers, will come into being, which I just read to you. Three new heads will appear on the body of the eagle. Herbert Wallace, in the pamphlet mentioned above in this article, observed that in order to identify these eight states, the signature of the peace treaty, June 1990, must, that, be, must be awaited. That's the Versailles Treaty. This guy predicted the only way you could understand who these eight kingdoms are, you have to wait for this Versailles Treaty to be completed. The, what an, a beautiful understanding of prophecy by this guy Wallace. All right, We'll get into that next week, folks. This is a very complicated study. You have to know European history very well. So one more, uh, one more two more sentences here by Dr. Scott, please. 
Yes, this guy wrote before 1990, and he said, based on Estras, there had to be eight states. Who these eight states will be? We must await the signatures of the peace treaty June 1990, and what if there been nine or six? No, of course it's eight. No, <laughs> it's, it's eight. It's eight. So I'll, tr- yeah. I'll try to find out when Herbert Wallace issued this prophecy, because this is extremely important, okay? Okay, folks, th- we're doing our best to interpret Second Esther. It's about the end times, and who this kingdom full of tr- little kingdom full of trouble is, we know who it is, but the rest of the world doesn't. Michael, thank you very much. We'll see you all next week, okay? Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye. Michael, take care. All right, folks, that's our show for today. Yeah, stay tuned. Tell everybody you know about your folk radio because we're the only ones accurately identifying prophecy of the Bible and the Apocrypha. Thanks for listening. Praise Yahweh. See you next time. Bye bye. <laughs>